I was a junior in college before I decided that I wanted to switch my major entirely to religion. I had been studying intervention specialist education at a Catholic university that required religion electives that I just kept taking. Before I knew it, I was less interested in my education classes and had racked up enough of those electives for a minor in religion. I got the message and officially made the switch to religious studies. The thing is, I didn't want to be a priest or a pastor. I knew that. I used the glib line that, as a double PK, I've been in the business for 30-some years, and I know it's not for me. I didn't think much of being female and studying religion at a Catholic university. My advisor was an Episcopal priest. My Judaism professor was a rabbi. Many of my professors were women. I shared classrooms with a mighty but few fellow religious study majors, and also a group of men from the local Catholic seminary. It was in these shared classrooms that I started to notice a trend in accessorizing. Who was it, sporting buttons, adorning backpacks, hats, and coats that read, Ordain Women? That wasn't me. It was my Catholic female classmates. I'm a pastor's kid and a priest's kid. My dad is an Episcopal priest and my mom is a Lutheran pastor. That makes me, Becca Selnick, a double PK. And this is the PKPK podcast. Church happens all the time. People come to church during the week for choir practice and committee meetings. People come when they have good news to share. They come when they have questions. They come with grievances. They come when they get married or have babies. They come when someone loses a job or even their life. And through all of this, the pastor is there. And so are her kids. When you grow up with both of your parents as clergy, your home is the church, the building, the people, the whole thing. But people experience church in different ways. Good, best intentioned, bad, very bad. Some people want nothing to do with church. Some people think they know all the right answers because of church. Regardless of what I believe, regardless of what my parents believe, the church shows up in the world for better or worse, and so do her kids. In the Gospel of John, there is the story of Jesus approaching a woman by the well in Samaria. My mom reminds me that in this moment, Jesus was fully human, hungry, tired, dusty, thirsty from his travels. When the woman came to the well, the disciples had gone to get food, and the woman approached with a bucket that could reach the water that Jesus so desperately wanted. She was the first person to whom Jesus revealed himself as the Savior. And it is worth saying that when she went back to her village to tell that Jesus was the Savior, they believed her. At the church where my dad served while I was growing up, there was a stained glass window over the baptismal font that depicted this scene. But at some point during installation, 
the panels had been switched, and the woman at the well had her back turned to Jesus. I kind of love the way that lets the woman be fully human in this story. Women and all people who have been pushed aside want to bear witness to and be monumental change for better in the world. But sometimes they want to turn their back and go about their business. The fact that Jesus made this reveal to this woman was astounding, as we're reminded, because this woman was, by most accounts, less than. Now, I think we know that to Jesus, there is no person who is less than. But throughout history, the narrative surrounding women of the early church is muddied at best and filled with conjecture about prostitution at worst, if they were named at all. We can talk about women without talking about men, but I'm not sure we can talk about the role of women without talking about men because, historically speaking, men have been the ones doling out the roles, aka putting women or anyone outside the patriarchy in their place. The Gospels are no exception. The woman at the well was the first person to whom Jesus revealed that he was the Savior. Yet, she isn't given a name. Another unnamed woman in the Gospels of Matthew and Mark was rebuked for the expensive oil she used to anoint Jesus, even though she was preparing his body for burial. And, of course, Mary Magdalene, studied as both famed and infamous, returned to the tomb after Jesus had died to tend to the body and became the first to witness the resurrection. But she is not given the status of apostle. In each of these instances, the women were in the midst of their own work of domestic labor or caregiving. They had other work to do when they encountered Jesus, or they saw work to be done and took it upon themselves to do it. But despite these firsts, these works of ministry by women, the work of women has often been undervalued. The timeline of fully honoring the gifts of women in church leadership and ministry is ongoing. The predecessor church body to the ELCA ordained the first woman pastor in 1970. The Episcopal Church ordained 11 women unofficially in 1974 and officially began the practice in 1976. There are many Protestant denominations that do not ordain women, and in one instance, a church body revoked the right for women to be ordained in the year 2000. The math is easy here. That's slow progress for 2,000 years. But like Mary Magdalene and the women in the garden after Jesus was crucified, when women and all marginalized people have recognized places to serve their neighbor, they have done it. The ministry that has been done without official recognition or status is tireless and valuable. But once our attention has been drawn to how that work is undervalued, it becomes our work to value it. 
My mom was the first woman in each position she held at every step of her career. She was the first woman pastor at the congregations she served. She was the first woman bishop of the Northeastern Ohio Synod. And she is the first presiding bishop of the ELCA. This is good and important and it is necessary. But here's the thing about firsts. They're exhausting and they're limiting. And there are still so many firsts yet to come because all of this is binary and people are so much more than binary. It has taken so long to even get to a place of binary and that's still too small. Without more inclusion, imagine everything we're missing. I fall in love with my husband all over again for many reasons, not the least of which is the way that he seamlessly eliminates the masculine pronouns for God when reading bedtime stories to our baby. God is no gender and all gender, and we owe it to ourselves to open up to this idea. Everyone misses out when the gifts of each person aren't valued. Let's move as quickly as we can towards inclusion. Let's get all of those firsts out of the way. When you have to break a glass ceiling, there's broken glass. It's a mess to clean up before one can do the work they've been called to do. So like the woman who was moved to anoint Jesus before his burial, let women and all people have their own agency and autonomy. In remembrance of her, and all those who have been left out. Let's believe women, say her name, and maybe make the patriarchy something we only have to remember. Next time on PKPK Podcast, I'll discuss that thing that has crossed our minds once or twice, the afterlife, specifically heaven and hell. Episode 108 will be available August 25th. Thank you for listening to PKPK Podcast with me, Becca Selnick. Be sure to check out pkpkpodcast.wordpress.com or follow PKPK Podcast on social media for notes and photos from this week's episode. Please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts enjoy the show, leave a rating. Transcripts of each episode are available. Theme music, Extended Sunday, is written and performed by Michael Ray.